We'll take for our text this morning a parable of Christ. We'll look at Mark chapter 4. We'll read verses 2 through 10. It's a familiar parable. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they were they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. Jesus often taught in parables as a way of revealing deep spiritual truths in a simple way that common people could understand. And even at that, sometimes his disciples had difficulty understanding, so they would ask him and he would explain later, Of course, we see here later in this chapter, the Lord explained the meaning of this parable. The sower is anyone really who spreads the word of God. It could be a minister or a preacher or it could be an individual who has a zeal for the Lord. It's anyone who would spread the word of the Lord. The seed is the word of God. And then we see four different types of soil being represented here. Of course, we know those different soil types represent the different conditions of the human heart. He mentions the wayside soil. That would represent the hardness of heart. It says immediately the word is taken out. It's impenetrable. It's so hard nothing can get in. He mentions the stony soil. That could be the emotional hearer who... Uh, says they receive it with joy, but there's no root in them, and they only endure for a little time, and then that seed is taken away. You have the thorny soil. Those would be those that are encumbered with the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches, and that word is choked out. Then you have the good soil, that fertile soil, that soil that has been uh, tilled up and it's soft and receptive from the for the word of God. It's that soil that bears fruit. Of course, that's the soil we want our hearts to be like. But it's interesting as you read through the word of God, you realize there's different responses to God's call. People when they come in contact with Jesus or when they come into the presence of the Lord, they respond in different ways and you realize that their response is directly connected to the type of soil that's in their hearts. I thought of three different ways that people respond to the presence of the Lord. You can leave sad, you can leave mad, or you can leave glad. And again, your response depends on what type of soil is in your hearts. You know, it's hard to imagine that anyone would leave the presence of the Lord 
sad or grieved. Yet we know there are those that do. We read an account. Look at the account in the book of Luke, chapter 18. Verse 18 through 27. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these things have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is re- easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, Who can be saved? And he said, The things which are impossible with man are possible with God. This may be one of the only accounts where you read in the account, I believe, in Mark says this young man came and he knelt before the Lord. This may be one of the only times when you see somebody actually kneeling before Jesus and leaving in worse shape than when they came. The problem was he came, but he didn't come far enough. And we read right away, we see why he was so sad. Mark says he went away grieved. It's because he refused to give everything to the Lord. You read there, he kept all of the commandments regarding his relationship with man. But when it came to his relationship with the Lord, he neglected the very most important things. He didn't love the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, too, this man had some self-righteousness on board. And even his question to the Lord, it was a good question. But as you look at the way he asked it again in Matthew's account, he said, what good thing shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? He must have thought enough of himself that he thought there was something in himself he could do that would be good enough to curry favor with the Lord or somehow earn him eternal life. Of course, you know, salvation is a gift of grace, not of works. Lest any man should boast, and when he realized his own goodness and his own works weren't enough, he went away sad. He went away sorrowful. What's so sad about this account is he was so close to the kingdom of heaven that day. He came to the right source. He came to Jesus. You know, he took the right posture. So that he ran and he knelt before the Lord. He even asked the right question. He asked how he could have eternal life. And of course, Jesus in his faithfulness got right to the point, got to the heart of the matter. Says in one account, Jesus beholding this young man, he loved him enough to tell him the truth. Jesus told him what to do. He said, sell what you have, give to the poor and come follow me. He made him a promise. He said, you'll have treasures in heaven. And he extended an invitation. He says, come, follow me. 
What an opportunity for this young man. But it said he went away sorrowful, sadly by his own choice. He's like that thorny soil, the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches choked out the word of the Lord. He was so close, yet so far, because he held on that one thing in his life. He left sorrow and disappointed, sorrowful and disappointed. You know, there is a way he could have entered in. Jesus went on to say it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. I found an interesting excerpt here the other day. It said, alongside the main gates of a city was a smaller gate used only by pedestrians. This served a twofold purpose. When at sunset or on the Sabbath, the large gates were closed to keep out the cameleers with their animals, ordinary people could still enter or leave by the smaller door. This entrance was said to be only about three or four feet high and was called the needle's eye. There were occasions when an angry cameleer literally tried to get his camel through the eye of a needle. That is the small gate. This was possible, but nevertheless, it was exceedingly difficult. There were three prerequisites. The animal had to be small. The load had to be taken from off its back. And the camel somehow had to go forward on its knees. It could be done, but it was difficult. It was also possible for wealthy men to get into the kingdom of God or this rich young ruler, but the same three conditions apply. Those who desire admittance must have to be small in their own estimation. They have to offload anything that would hinder progress, and they have to kneel and thus seek entrance into the kingdom of God. That young man could have gotten in, but he wasn't willing to let go of that one thing that hindered him. He wasn't willing to humble himself and enter in through humility and surrender. One old minister said, this young man, the problem was he was willing to tip his hat to the Lord, but he refused to bow his knee. We must bow our knee to the Lord. We must surrender everything to the Lord. Sadly, because of this man's refusal to do that, he went away sorrowful. There may be those like that here this morning. You don't have to be rich or young. To be like that, man, if you're withholding something from the Lord, if you hold back anything from the Lord, you'll leave sorrowful and disappointed. But the choice is yours, just like this young man. He had a choice. Sometimes people respond by leaving mad. Jesus often encountered this kind of reaction, particularly among a couple of groups of people, the scribes and the Pharisees. So you read the different accounts there, they often responded in anger to Christ's words. They rejected everything Christ told them. He describes the condition of their hearts. They were like that wayside soil. He describes their hearts in Matthew 23. He talked about them cleaning up the outside, but he said within is full of extortion and excess. They were whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones. He said, outwardly they appear righteous unto men, but inwardly you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And Jesus was constantly exposing their hypocrisy, and they responded in anger. They didn't like it. It convicted them. You know, the Pharisees and scribes, they were the original virtue signalers. 
They blew the trumpets whenever they gave alms. They wanted to make sure everybody knew that they were paying alms. When they went to pray, it said they prayed in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets. And it had to be long and loud. They wanted to make sure everybody heard their prayers to see how virtuous they were. They exacted a standard from others that they absolutely refused to live up to themselves. We see that sometimes today. People pass mandates and all kinds of laws. They expect others to uphold those things, and they fail to do so themselves. That was a classic example of the scribes and Pharisees. Matthew 21, 45, Jesus was teaching in the temple, and he was speaking in parables, and it says, And when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. And it says they sought to lay hands on him. Time and time again, you see, they harden their hearts. Rather than allowing that conviction to lead them to repentance, they turn the other way, they harden their hearts, and it causes them to be angry and resentful. Time and time again, they were given an opportunity to be delivered, but they chose bondage over freedom. You know, by constantly hardening their hearts, they place themselves in a very dangerous position spiritually. Matthew 15, 14, uh, Jesus told his disciples at one point, he says, let them alone. He says, they be blind, leaders of the blind. He was speaking about their spiritual blindness, the hardness of their hearts. He says, if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into a ditch. You know, it's possible for a person to harden their heart to the point where Jesus decides to leave them alone. It's a very, very, very dangerous place to be in. There's a lost eternity full of souls who did just that. That's why it tells us in Hebrews 3.15, Today, today, if you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. So important. We don't want to harden our hearts to the point where the Lord no longer speaks to us. Again, in John, the 8th chapter, Jesus was teaching in the synagogues and in the temples and He was letting the Jews and the scribes and Pharisees, He was letting them know their salvation and their standing with God had nothing to do with their heritage or their pedigree or their upbringing. He said, you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Right away, He got pushback. They said, we be Abraham's seed and never were in bondage to any man. How can you say we need to be free? Interesting, they were under Roman oppression. They didn't seem to realize that. But they thought somehow because they were of Abraham's seed or children of Abraham that they were automatically spiritual children. And Jesus was letting them know the issue of freedom runs far deeper than external uh, issues or external or social standing. It's really, it's more than biological ties. It's an issue of the heart. Verse 34 of John 8, he says, Verily I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Again, letting them know if they continued in sin, they were slaves regardless of who their ancestors were. And Jesus also let them know he was the answer to their spiritual bondage. He says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Time and time again, he offered them salvation and deliverance, and they refused because of the hardness of their hearts. Romans 10.3 describes them, it says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness 
have not submitted to the righteousness of God to, by refusing to submit to the Lord's righteousness. A person will leave sorrowful or grieved or they'll leave angry, but they will never leave victorious. We must submit to the will of the Lord. It's amazing how often they rejected their opportunity and God in his mercy would continue to reach out to them. But there's a day when God's grace won't be extended anymore. So we want to heed the warnings in God's word. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Of course, we like to read accounts of those that lead left the presence of the Lord glad. Turn to the book of Acts. Brother John read this, but we'll reread it again. Acts Chapter 8, verse 4 through 8, says, Therefore they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. This was during a time of serious persecution. The church was scattered, but everywhere they went, they preached the word of God. They sowed that seed. And here it fell among good ground. As people heard it and it said here that with one accord, they gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. To give heed means to pay attention, to consider, and to receive what is being said. And again, we see the results. It says, many were healed and delivered, and there was great joy in that city. They weren't sad. They weren't mad. They were glad. Great rejoicing had come because they were receptive to receive that word. In the same chapter, just a little ways over, we read about the Ethiopian eunuch. Says this man traveled all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. That's over 2,000 miles. He went a long way searching for answers. It said he was a man under great authority, under Candace the Queen. He had charge of all her treasure. You know, I thought this man, he might have been a lot like that rich young ruler. Well to do, well respected. He was someone in authority. He had the same question. He was looking for eternal life. Went all the way there to Jerusalem, couldn't find his answer. He was on his way back. And in the middle of the desert, it says that the Spirit of the Lord caught up Philip. And they went and he sent him to this man. And he found him sitting in his chariot and reading the word of God. And says he joined himself to this man. And this man began to ask some questions. Acts 35, 8, 35 through 39. It says, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus... And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went both down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Found what he was looking for. He had a heart that was 
willing to receive that seed and he went on his way rejoicing. What a difference we see in these examples. Think of one other example in Luke, the 19th chapter, we read about Zacchaeus. We know Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee little man was he. Climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. The Lord did something very unexpected that day as he passed by. It said he stopped and he looked up and he extended an invitation. He says, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down for today I must abide at thy house. You know, in a sense, Jesus extends that same invitation today. The Lord is calling you. He's saying, make haste. Come down. Humble yourself. I want to abide in your house. I want to abide in your heart. The invitation is going out. We see how Zacchaeus responded. He said he made haste, came down, and received him gladly. Received him joyfully. What are the results? It says, today, Jesus said, salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. God goes to great lengths to find those who will receive him gladly. You can be in the middle of the desert, up in a tree, sitting right here, listening, watching on the webcast. The Lord sees your heart. Jesus is still looking for those who will receive him gladly today. The invitation is still going out. How you respond is your choice. 1 Corinthians 1, 23 and 24 says, For we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who believe it is the power of God unto salvation. If the Lord's speaking to your heart this morning, how will you respond? You know, you can hold something back from the Lord, a consecration, something the Lord may be drawing out of your heart. You'll leave sorrowful, you'll leave disappointed. Or if you're not saved and the Lord is speaking to you and convicting you, you know, you can let that pride get in the way. You can harden your heart. You can resist. You can refuse to admit you need to be saved. And you can leave angry or resentful. Or you can surrender to the Lord. You can come humbly. You can kneel before the Lord. Give Him whatever it is He's asking and requiring of you. Receive Him gladly and you'll leave with victory in your heart. It's a promise. God will do it. But you know the choice is yours. Whatever you need. If you're willing to come again and just humbly bow before the Lord. Commit your life to Him. The Lord will help you. If you need to be sanctified, don't hold back on those consecrations. Make those consecrations and you'll leave with joy. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come in faith. Again, just consecrate your life to the Lord. The Lord will heal you. He'll hear your prayer. He'll meet your need. The Lord can be found this morning. Let's come and sing 5491. These altars are open.